Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Um, so I'm, I'm really honoured that Shafan asked me to speak on this. My message is called A New Creation in Christ. So it's looking specifically into that. Um, so basically, <laughs> whole life... Uh, working out of one identity and then my overthrowing was having to overthrow that old identity and stepping into a new one. So when we think of an identity, they're formed at a young age based on things that we learn, that we're told growing up by friends, family, teachers. And if we don't have the healthy amount of positive things being spoken over us, we start to step into and grow an unhealthy identity or an unhealthy sense of ourselves. And that then impacts and affects the rest of our lives and begins to dictate what we think we're able to do and not able to do. So for me, this this happened big time. I had something happen when I was really little that then people began speaking things over me that I carried for the rest of my life. So it's a bit of a backstory. Um, I have four brothers and when I was five years old, I lost the eldest one to cancer. Most of you don't know that. So I'm guessing a few people just responded with sympathy or pity, maybe wanted to give me a hug. Um, And that's a response that I had my whole life growing up with adults, strangers, telling me that they were sorry for me, that they didn't know how this could happen, that my life had been ruined. And I began to take that on because I was told it so often. All these people who were just trying to be nice, trying to do their best, but I began to take all that on and it affected the way that I saw myself. I thought that my whole life had been ruined because of this one thing. And as I, as I grew into that and I carried it, I began to think that, well, if my life's been ruined, then someone owes me. Someone owes me big time for this ruin. And I made people pay for that. So I thought that God owed me, but God and I went on speaking terms back then. I was pretty mad at him. So I made everyone else owe me instead. And that came out in how I behaved, how I spoke. I was rude to people. I thought I could get away with anything. And I was just shoving and shoving, waiting for someone to step back. And they never did because they were all feeling sorry for me. However, as a little kid, I took this to mean that they didn't care, that they'd forgotten about me or they disregarded me. It's, it's funny the way that we see things compared to how, they, how they're given, yep. Um, but that's just how I took it on. And more lies piled onto this, more things that were not meant, but how I took it. I grew into that, I grew into that, and I became someone so scared and so insecure because everything I knew about myself was based on lies. And I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't, I couldn't change that. So the more people spoke, speaking things over me, I would seek out the lies in what they were saying rather than the truth in what they were saying because suddenly the lies were more comfortable. They were, they were more familiar to me. But that, that hurts. I mean, no matter how much a truth hurts in the moment, a lie is what will always hurt us in the long run. So I was getting beaten up internally and to combat that, because I was so, so tired of getting hurt, I turned my heart to stone, essentially, because stone can't get bruised, it can't get beaten up. But stone also can't love, it can't empathise, it can't be kind. That heart of stone prevented me from becoming many things. 
and I started spiraling down further and further into a very dark place and I didn't know how to get myself out of it. I tried. I tried everything that people told me would fix it. I tried exercising, friends, counselling, but the issue was that all these things I was doing, they were focusing on the external rather than the internal issues. They were focusing on what I was doing, but change doesn't come from the outside, it comes from who you are. So when I wasn't addressing the internal and I was still seeing myself as that broken person and I was still seeing myself as a monster essentially, well then it was a monster who was hanging out with friends. It was a monster who was attending counselling, a monster who was going for a run. And I couldn't, I couldn't change the way that I saw myself. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of bad times in that. There were, there were probably three solid years of just straight dark. Um, so it was, it was a lot of trying, a lot of doing everything that people told me to fix. Uh, thank goodness that's the moment when God stepped in. And that's when it all changed. So for me, that came through a single conversation with someone, someone who genuinely loved God and who looked at me with respect and as someone deserving of that salvation and that love as well. And this was something I was not used to. Someone looking at me with honour and with respect, this shocked me. And that shock was enough for me to just pause and hear all the things that God had been trying to tell me for years, all the things I'd been too busy running away from, too scared to listen to, they all flooded through in that moment and it shattered my stone heart. It changed everything and all of a sudden I could see everything of who God had been telling me I was, everything of who he had created me to be in that one conversation. So it's funny how, you know, God's love can do that and how the truth can do that. That conversation led to me listening more and more for God's truth. And as I stepped into that, as I listened to who he called me to be, suddenly my entire personality changed. See, up until that moment, I had thought of myself as being forgotten or disregarded. But that day, God said that I was precious and that I was prized. Up until that moment, I had thought that I was a menace who no one actually wanted to be around. But that day, God called me loved beyond measure. Up until that day, I had thought that I was a monster, but that, that moment, God called me lovely. As I outworked that, it changed everything, and I stepped into a whole new identity. And you can ask any of my family members, I was a completely different person 10 years ago, so you can see the proof right here. But basically, um, because everything changed, I'm a whole new person, that's a new identity being lived out. One of my favourite verses from 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Behold, the old has gone and a new has come. And that's exactly what happened for me. The old was washed away. See, so many people have their own version of this story. So many people have something from their past that they're running from, something that they're scared of, or they're still looking over their shoulder waiting for it to catch up to them. And the thing that I want you to know right now is that if you've accepted Christ, then that has no effect on you anymore. That past is gone. He's washed that away. It has no impact on you anymore. 
but a lot of people struggle to actually step into that. I know I did. I was a Christian for years before I actually started outliving it. So if you're struggling with that as well, then I've got two steps for you that can help step into that new identity. So very, very simple, and I pray that you do them because they changed my life. So first, step one, very simple, tune out the lies. What we believe about ourselves is based on things that we are told and that we believe growing up. So you need to work out which ones are truthful and which ones are giving life and which ones are doing something else. Pinpoint those lies and drown them out. Because for as long as you keep believing and listening to the things that people are speaking over you, you are reinforcing that false identity. So you need to stop letting those things impact you if they are not speaking life over you. Once you drown out those lies, then you have the energy and you have the space to replace them with the truth of who you are. You can listen to hear who you really are. And that leads me to point two, which is turning up the truth. And that truth, that comes from God. That comes from reading your Bible. Because if you want to find out who you are, you don't go looking to other created things, you go to your creator. And that's exactly what this book is. It is not a book of fairy tales. It is a book of truths. And he has written in here over and over how much he loves you and how much he has planned for your life. If you would just please stop and read them, take them in and replace those lies with the truth. See who he made you to be and see who he wants you to become. I know that there's a lot in here, so it's really hard to pinpoint some things, but read through it and make a list of things that he's speaking over your life and that you can believe in. I've got a small list here to get you started, just six things. So if, if you're struggling with that, then you can, you can have faith believing in these because they come from scripture, so you know they're true. That you are loved by God. You are chosen. You are delighted in. You are never alone, you are forgiven, and you are so worthy. Even if you never do anything else for the rest of your life, you could never be more loved than you are right now by God. He cares so much about you and he wants you to step into that. Two very simple steps, and if he did this for me, then he can do it for you too. I'm going to do, I'm going to ask everyone to stand up right now. Stand up where you are and please close your eyes. Because I'm aware that there are some people in here who may not have accepted Jesus. And I don't want anyone to have to leave here wishing that they'd had an opportunity to do that. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. You don't need to work for it. It's already been done for you. You just need to accept it. If you've been struggling with that, if you want to step into a new creation, if you want to accept Jesus' love, then I'm going to ask you to be really brave. And right now, please raise your hand. It's a safe place. No one's looking. You can make the decision in your heart, and it's just between you and God. Even if you're watching online, you can be sitting alone somewhere. No one's looking, but God can still see you. If you want to, if you want to make that decision, and if you want to grow in that, then raise your hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
I see. I see. Anyone else? Anyone? No. Okay. Alright, well if anyone's made that decision, keep your eyes closed. We're gonna we're gonna go through a prayer. I'll lead you through it. And this is just the beginning of the journey. But it will get you started on that. And to make sure that no one's alone, we're gonna have everyone in the church say it together. So repeat after me. Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to start fresh with you and let you guide me into a new identity. I accept you into my life and into my heart. Thank you for everything you've done. And I pray you show me the truth of who you call me to be. Amen. Can we give a clap for those people who made that decision? The best decision you'll ever make. You can take your seats, but basically that's the end of my part. For everyone who's just made that decision and for everyone who's made that decision in the past, I'm gonna have a few, a bit of guidance on what, what the next part of this journey looks like. And to do that, we're gonna hear from one of our amazing team members, Jared Nissen. Guys, can we thank Kate for that incredible message? So good, so good. And thank you, Kate, for letting me use your iPad as well. That's awesome. (laughs) But Kate, um, can I just say that message was phenomenal. It actually almost made me cry. Uh, After the baptism video and that, I'm like, man, this is going to be fun. (laughs) But um, also, you were so calming, and I actually was a lot more nervous before hearing you speak, and now I'm like, oh, this is is nice. I feel welcomed. I I feel at home, so this is good. But... Hey church, how is everyone doing? Um, Can I just say I am so stoked to be here and to be talking to all of you guys. It has been an absolute joy to sit with God and to hash out a message that I believe he wants to talk to all of you about. So if you're excited, can I get a, I'm ready? Yeah, nice, nice, very cool, very cool, awesome. But before we go too far, my name is Jared. I'm part of the team here at Oceans Church, along with my fiance, Jess, who, get this, five days is going to be my wife. Wild. <laughs> That's absolutely wild. I'm still shook about it, to be completely honest with you, but here we are. <laughs> awesome. But myself and Jess, we have the privilege of being uh, actually running the Oceans Perth Youth Ministry here which is an absolute blast. It is so much fun, and I'm so stoked to be a part of that. And we also serve in lots of different areas around the church, which is great. But before all of that, before church, before serving, before even I knew who Jesus was, I was just going about life. I was just going about my life. I had Christian folks who raised me really well, They loved me, they adored me, they taught me really good things, and I said, no, to none of that. (laughs) I said, I don't want anything to do with God, I don't want anything to do with those teachings, I wanted to do my own thing and go my own way. See, I was, well, actually, our family, we went up north really early on when I was quite young, still in primary school, and I lived in country towns. I went from one to the other and made lots of really, really good for me friends up there. (laughs) I met some, some, honestly, they're good people, but a little bit astray, as you would say. And together, myself included, we would get up to a lot of mischief, a lot of ruckus, would have a lot of fun, and a lot of that was not very positive. And so my parents got sick of 
getting all these phone calls from the school eventually, and when high school hits, or just after high school hits, I was sent down to Perth, away from my parents, to go to a Christian school and live with a family friend, because they were like, we want to straighten you out. <laughs> and so, my experience up north, going from town to town and school to school, was that when you go to a new school, if you want to make friends and fit in, you kick up a ruckus, you, you're loud, you're annoying, you're all over the place. And so I rock up to this school full of a bunch of Christians who had been taught really good values and actually listened to those really good values. And they were like, who is this guy? Like, I don't want anything to do with this dude. He is a wreck. And so I, by my own means, felt quite rejected and a bit of an outcast at those schools. And if anything, that just made me go, no, nah, Christians are definitely the worst. Christians suck. <laughs> Not the case, by the way. You're in, in the room with a lot of good people. <laughs> awesome, awesome. But once I left school, I actually didn't finish school. I actually dropped out in year 11 and went off to TAFE. And I decided I was going to go my own way. I was going to do my own thing. And with that, I started experimenting with the things that the world told me were really, really cool. Things like partying, things like finding my worth in status, uh, sorry, my worth in things like status, relationships, people, wealth, all those kinds of things. I started to really pursue things that were not good for me, and it very quickly took a toll on my heart and my soul. And before I knew it, there I was feeling like I was worthless because I couldn't achieve the things I was trying to do, that I had no identity in anything. My identity was in how many friends I had, and I had like three my identity, yeah, my identity was in how much money I could make and I was jobless. And I even got to the point where I was like playing video games all day every day because I was just basically depressed. And it got to the point where I was so deep in this idea of if I don't make it doing these things and make myself something out of what I'm doing, then I am just a failure. And it got so bad, I even got to the point where, sorry, I'm actually getting a little bit emotional. <laughs> I got to the point where I even started considering um, giving up on life entirely. And thank goodness that didn't happen, mostly because God intervened. <laughs> so a little while into that journey, I had a friend uh, that I had known for a little while come and say, hey, I'm going to church. I think you'd really like it there. You should come along. And I was like, no, <laughs> not for me. Sorry. <laughs> I've had experience with those people. I'm good. I'm done. Um, and surprisingly, honestly, this person is incredible because they asked me for probably six or seven weeks straight and I said, no, 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 no. And I even went as far as to um, be really mean and rude to this friend. Um, and they still invited me anyway. And so, yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, one day I finally caved in. I said, fine, I'll give this a go. And so I came to church with all these expectations about how horrible everyone's gonna be, how nasty they're gonna be, and I'm gonna have to put on this, this face and pretend to be someone else but I rocked up and I was greeted by a whole bunch of people who were the most kind, loving, and accepting people I had ever met in my life. And little did I know it then, but that was actually a taste of what God had for the rest of my life in store. And it's what he has in store for all of your lives as well. So, oh, awesome, awesome. It wasn't long after that. This is a lot of storytelling, but it wasn't long after that <laughs> that I was at a worship night at the church and I decided while worshiping to give my life to God. I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this out. And so I gave my life to God. And in that moment, he began to start some serious transformational work on my heart. It took a long time, it really did. But over that time, he taught me one really important lesson, which was that my identity is not in what I can do. It's not in the things I can achieve or the people I can be with or anything like that. My identity is in what Jesus calls me. 
and he taught me that he calls me a disciple, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I wanna invite all of you on this journey as well to be called disciples of Jesus Christ because that is what he calls each and every one of you to be. So we are gonna start off by diving into the book of Matthew. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, if you're real Christians, unlike me, who did not bring his Bible, <laughs> take a moment to turn to Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. Ollie's got his Bible. <laughs> awesome. And just while you guys are turning there, I'll give you a little bit of context on Matthew, the author of the book, but also the subject of this verse. You see, Matthew was a Jewish man living in his city of Capernaum, which he was also a tax collector for the Roman Empire at the time. So that's a bit of a wobbly combo because he is a Jewish man who happens to be working in a field where he is taking money from his Jewish people to give to the Roman Empire who oppressed his people and treated them really poorly. So here's this guy who is taking money and sometimes stealing money from his people, giving it to the Romans and making profit. Now, the reason I wanted to tell you how terrible Matthew was, sorry, I'm just messing my notes up, that's fun. The reason I wanted to tell you how terrible Matthew was that's a joke, by the way, he's not terrible, <laughs> was because I wanted to paint this picture of Matthew as a bit of an outcast, because he wouldn't have probably been allowed in places of worship like the synagogues. The synagogues were places of worship where the Jewish people would go and give offerings and worship, and Matthew was probably not welcome there, probably not liked by a lot of his Jewish people. And so, we get to the verse. So, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 reads, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector booth. Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and he followed him. Now, before we go too much further, I wanna do a quick comparison with another verse. I'm not gonna read the whole verse, but just a verse from Matthew chapter four, which talks about when Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee and he saw some fishermen fishing. And he said, follow me and be my disciple. And at once, those fishermen, they got up, they left their boats, they left their nets, and they went and they followed Jesus. Ooh. You guys here? Yeah. yeah, cool. That's good. That's good. That's good. Me too. I'm here. So, <laughs> so the reason I wanted to make a parallel between those two verses is because, as you saw, when Jesus called Matthew, he left his tax collector booth and he followed. And when Jesus called the other disciples, they dropped their nets and they followed. So you might be thinking, okay, why are we focusing on Matthew today? Why are we not just focusing on all the disciples? That's because Matthew was not fishing to feed his family or fishing to make money to feed his family or doing anything of the positive nature. What Matthew was doing when Jesus called him, oh my gosh, my notes. What Matthew was doing when Jesus called him was Matthew was living in the middle of his sin. Matthew was living out his sin. He was sitting there in his tax collector's booth actively counting the money they had probably taken from his people a minute ago. And Jesus said, now, nah, I call you. I'm gonna have to change, hold on, hold on. Sorry guys, sorry. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet, so there Matthew is, deep in his sin, and yet Jesus called him anyway and said, follow me and be my disciple. You see, Matthew realized in that moment that it didn't matter that he had committed sin. It didn't matter that he was committing sin. What mattered was Jesus was calling his name and so he's got to follow, all right? So church, so church, 
You know, Jesus said right after he was raised from the dead, in fact, right before he left, he said to all of his disciples, go and make disciples of all the earth. He said that to every single one of his disciples, or to some of his disciples, and that is actually the mission. Like, that's why we're here, is to go and make disciples of all the earth. And that means all the earth, not just those who are not sinning, because then there'll be no disciples. <laughs> but if there's one thing I know about our mission, which is to make disciples, is that we wanna make effective disciples, not just any disciples. We wanna make effective disciples. And to make effective disciples, we gotta be effective disciples, or it doesn't work. <laughs> So church, I wanna invite you on this little journey to teach you two little ways that you can be effective disciples. So, we ready to learn? Sick, you guys are better than I was at school. Sweet, all right, so, way number one to be an effective disciple is to receive. You guys wanna say receive for me? Awesome, awesome. A bit louder, come on, receive? Nice, nice, good, 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 awesome. (laughs) I wanna give you guys a bit of an example. You know when you get a text message on your phone, you're like, oh yeah, here comes a text, you get a little bubble on your phone, you might tap that. I don't know how Apple works, so maybe this is just Android, I'm exposing myself. But you get a little bubble, you tap on it, and it gives you like a little preview of the message you've been sent. It might be like one or two sentences long, but it doesn't give you the whole message until you fully go into your phone, open that message, and check it. Is this just Android, or no? No? Okay, good, we're good, awesome, sweet. You guys get me then, right? Yeah, cool, okay. So you have this like preview of your message, but what that message doesn't do for you is it doesn't give you an idea of what the whole message has in store for you until you open your phone up, you take the time and you read that message. You might get a good idea based on what the preview said, but you'll never fully understand the message until you open it entirely. So another quick example, Jess. (laughs) If my soon-to-be wife, Jess, messages me, sends me a text and I am free, like I'm not at work or something like that, you know, and I look at my phone, I see that message from Jess, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna tap on that, read the preview and be like, yeah, cool? Or (laughs) am I gonna tap on that, see that it's from Jess, open up my phone, take in the message and respond to that? I'm gonna respond. (laughs) But why is that? Because Jess will beat me if I don't, of course. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) No, it's because, it's, sorry Jess, it's because um, Jess and my relationship with Jess is of high priority on my list of priorities. If Jess messages me, I'm going to check that before I check other people's messages. I'm going to check that before I go and do something with my own time that's just like fun or anything like that. So, all the uh, husbands out here getting real convicted. <laughs> The reason I wanted to kind of paint that little picture is because I believe, you know, some of you might be ignoring God at the moment. Some of you might be picking up the, the phone, clicking the, the preview, putting it down and checking back later. Some of you might be fully present with what God's saying and checking it and that's fantastic, that's awesome. But oh, I know for a fact based on that verse that when Jesus called Matthew, Matthew saw it, He saw the invitation and he responded straight away. And kind of as we said earlier, Jesus called Matthew despite all of the sin that he was living in. So we've talked about receiving the message from God, actually receiving that he is talking to and being like, yep, I'm on board, let's do it. But step two of that, step sub step two of that is to also receive the things that God has for you. And Matthew also did that throughout the same verse because 
when Jesus called Matthew, if anyone knew the sin that Matthew had been doing, the sin that he was living through, anything like that, it would have been Jesus. Jesus would know without a doubt the things that Matthew had done and the things that he was doing because Jesus was God, right? And yet he looked past all that and he called Matthew anyway. And so Matthew had every opportunity to be like, I'm not gonna follow this rabbi, I'm not gonna follow this teacher because I'm messy, I'm dirty, I've sinned, I've done all this and that. But Matthew said, no, I receive the fact that Jesus is calling me anyway, despite my past, despite the things I've done, and I will follow anyway. Church, no one is too messy for the grace of God. No one is too messy for the forgiveness that God offers all of us. Not me, not you. You guys still here? Sick. Thanks. (laughs) Awesome. All right, key number two to being an effective disciple in 2024 is to follow. Can you guys say follow? Nice. That was nice and loud that time. That was good. That was awesome. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Well, again, in that same verse, Matthew showed us exactly what it means to follow. At the end of that verse, it reads, Matthew got up and followed. You see, there's actually a chapter in in Luke, chapter 9, which has a whole section about being a disciple. It tells it really, really well and effective. It's also pretty challenging. So if you want to get challenged, go to Luke chapter 9, it'll challenge you. But specifically in Luke chapter 9, verse 24, it reads, If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, Jesus said those words. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You see, we've spoken a lot about how Matthew would have given up his sin, the dirtiness, the stuff he had been doing that he knew was wrong, and how he he put all that down and followed Jesus. But something we haven't quite mentioned yet is that he might have given up a few good things too. You know, he probably was being paid pretty well by the Romans. He probably had a nice home. He probably had some comfortability around his life. And he would have given that up too, to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying give everything up that you have and just chase Jesus like with nothing. No, what I'm saying is lay everything you have at your feet, the good, the bad, sorry, Jesus' feet, the good, the bad, the ugly, the awesome, whatever it is. I'm really kicking this carpet up. Lay it at Jesus' feet. Because, as we saw before, he sees through it all anyway. He knows it's all there. And Matthew really demonstrated what it means to be a disciple of Jesus when he said, I'm dropping the good, the bad, the comfortable, the ugly, all of it. I'm chasing Jesus here and now. Because, church, God did not call you to join onto your plans. God called you to join you to his plans. See, God did not call me because he wanted to join where I thought I was going with life. He called me because he wanted to add me to his plans. See, God did not call Matthew to go sit in his tax collector's booth and help him count money. No, God called Matthew because he has a purpose and a plan for his life and he wanted to see that through. And so God is calling all of us because he has the same thing for all of our lives. Every single one of you is called to be a disciple and so every single one of you is called by Christ. You see, church, God wants relationship with you. God wants to be priority in your life. God wants to push past that lock screen and work in your life so that we can see heaven move down here on earth. You see, church, Matthew chapter 4, 19, the end of it says, come follow me, I will make you fishes of men. See, if we want to be fishes of men, we've got to receive 
what God is saying. Receive the grace and forgiveness from God and then follow him. Could I um, welcome the back, the band back up, please? Thank you. Awesome. Church, I reckon we should kick off this new year with God at the top of our priority list. Church, I believe that God is calling us not to be a group of people that reads the Bible and then says, yeah, we know who Jesus was. No, church, I reckon God is calling us this year to be people who live out the Word of God and say, we know who Jesus is because we have a tangible relationship with the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins. You see, church, God is calling all of us to be effective disciples so we can make effective disciples. It's said, go and make disciples of all the earth. That is everyone. That's not just some people. That's not just the people you like in your life. That is everyone. We are called to be living representations of who Jesus was and what he tells us to be, which is loving, caring, gracious, kindness, all those different things. So church, if that's you tonight, if you're like, all right, I wanna take this to the next step. I wanna be a disciple of Christ, not just a Christian, not that there's anything wrong with being a Christian, but if you wanna follow Jesus, be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna have a moment for that in a second, but I would love for all of you to stand with me quick. I'm just gonna begin to pray over this room, this church. But before I do that, I wanna give you guys a chance to actually respond to what I've just said, respond to these things of being a disciple rather than just a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ like Matthew was. This is an opportunity to be bold, to make a stand, to be different, to to stand out and say, Jesus is not just a character in a book to me. Jesus is someone that I wanna follow. So church, if that's you, if you feel like you are called to be a disciple, which spoiler alert, you are, then make a stand, come down the front. Whatever that looks like for you, whether you're on your knees, you're just standing, whether you're just raising your hands from the back, whatever it looks like, but I would encourage you, be bold and come to the front, receive from Jesus as we go into this prayer, into this time of worship. Awesome. I'm just gonna pray now, so feel free to come up at any time. But Father God, we thank you that you are King. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord who sent his one son down to die on the cross for each and every one of us, Father. We thank you, God, that you do not just call us so that you can be a part of just everything we wanna do in our life, God, but you call us so that you can add us to something that will bring heaven down to earth. Father, we thank you that we do not need to strive to find our identity and our worth in things of the earth and things that the world says are good for us. But Father, we can be called by you and we can find our identity in the things that you tell us which is that we are disciples of you, Father. We are disciples of Jesus Christ because you say so. So Father, I ask that you would begin to to pour out your Holy Spirit across this room, Father. Would you bless every single person in this room, God? Would it be a contagious spirit, 
that bleeds out, not just for the people in this room, but their friends, their families, their co-workers, everything, God, would they begin to feel a shift in the people around them, Father? Would everyone walk out of this room feeling like there is a stirring in their soul, a new fire in their spirit, Father, that encourages them to go out and make disciples of all the earth the way that you told us to, Father? Yes, Father, we love you, Father. We adore you, Father. We thank you that every single person in this building is loved by you, Jesus. That you've chosen every single person in this room, that the sin that they have done, the sin that we have done, the sin that I have done in the past does not matter, Father. You choose us anyway. That, Father, no one is too messy to receive who you are, Father. Father God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.